Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. If you heard that nice, relaxing, toned music from one of my favorite DJs, The Absurdist, you know it's time for the Bitcoin Podcast Network's On Ramping with D. It's been a wa- it's been a long time. So first, firstly, I want to thank Jessica from the Slack for reaching out. And- Hi. <laughs> Thank you for for reaching out, Jessica, and putting a fire below me. Hopefully, I can do more on-rampings. But I do love this series. And so for those of you that are unfamiliar with on-ramping with D, um, what I did is one day I was on the bidet, and I had a bidet thought. And I said, what would – Jessica, I hope you're familiar with bidet thoughts, so you're not weirded out. I have a bidet, actually. We have two bidets in our house. Aren't so they? I am more than familiar with bidet thoughts. The thoughts that flow when one is on a bidet are the most pure thoughts that can possibly happen. But anyways, I thought, what would it be like for someone back in like, I don't know, 1905 or 1910 who's riding a bicycle and then they see an automobile go by and they're like, what the hell is that? And they see all their friends talking about this car thing. And they don't quite know what it is, but they want to. And I thought cryptocurrency is kind of in that phase where people could people keep hearing about this cryptocurrency thing, and this Bitcoin thing, but they don't really know what it is. Um, and they'd like to. They're kind of curious. So that's what on-ramping with D is. I'm the on-ramp to the crypto knowledge highway. And I try to be as knowledgeable as I can. So... Welcome, Jessica. Hello, everybody. Where, where are you from? <laughs> what do you do? Um, I am actually originally from Santa Barbara, California. Miss it every day. Basically paradise. But uh, my husband is from the Midwest. He's a Clevelander. So we were in Cleveland for a while, and now we are living in Kansas City, 
And uh, Dee and I had a nice little chat about the Chiefs, who I I don't love or hate, but I will watch. Um, I work at a law firm out here, which I will not, I won't say which one it is because I don't want to get into this situation where like they're like, oh, she works at this law firm. Is this, you know, legal advice or an opinion? So I work at a a well-known law firm around here in um, intellectual property law, which is, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting space. Um, moves not quite as fast as crypto, but moves pretty fast, and uh, it's interesting enough. I mean, it's not the most amazing, most interesting thing in the world that I'm the most passionate about, but it pays the bills, uh, and I've been doing it a long time, so sticking with it. Nice. So, are you the person in the office that's always talking about Bitcoin and people are like, Can, I just wish you wouldn't. I just, not today. You know, I'd rather her warm up tuna in the microwave and listen to her talk about Bitcoin again. Oh, I don't, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the person who's always, <laughs> like, I'm not like an evangelist. I don't like go to people all the time and I'm like, let me tell you about an exciting opportunity called Bitcoin. Like, I'm kind of like, I want people to adopt technology and I want people to know this is a thing, but I'm also kind of greedy. I'm like, but I want the Bitcoin for myself. So I want people to know enough to be like, yeah, this is a thing. But, you know, I'm not out here telling everybody, hey, go buy this thing that you may or may not know a lot about. Like, there's actually an attorney who I, I ended up meeting at a meetup. Um, who's kind of into Bitcoin. Um, so him and I end up sort of in this weird like Bitcoin meetup scene around Kansas City. But like outside of that, we have no interaction. He's going to talk about his partner. Like, like and, Fight Club? Um, a little bit. Can't like, talk about Fight Club. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I. You know, I I try not to seem like this is the only thing I care about at work because I certainly don't want to come in and be like, yeah, I'm getting paid to do intellectual property, but I really want to talk about cryptocurrency. Like, that's not usually, you know, I think it's the kind of thing that's frowned upon at work when you come in and you're all about something else. <laughs> um, I try to keep it kind of kind of low key. I mostly just listen to podcasts at my desk all day. Uh, I try to avoid going onto Slack on my desktop computer because if I did, I probably wouldn't get any work done, and that would also be frowned upon. <laughs> we have a but, lot uh, of Slack, so well, yeah. I, I don't know if you saw um, in the Slack where I was like, "Yeah, I'm actually going to be doing onboarding with D," and Cello was like, "Um, it's." on ramping and I was like I don't even know the name of the show that I'm supposed to be doing terrible <laughs> that's okay because I haven't done it in a very long time so it's okay. all good. everyone knew what I was talking about but I was just like oh right should probably get the title right important so, let's let's do a little bit of of on ramping right you um there's some things that's happened since you got in the space, which was 2017. Uh, yeah. And you took some time off, I understand. And now you're trying to uh, get back into the swing of things. 
And yeah, let's start at the top with the most obvious change to the ecosystem: these stable coins. And you, uh, you just want to know what they are, or how they work, or all of the above. So yeah, it's kind of all of the above. I have a general sense, like you know, sort of pegging value to the dollar, but I, I feel like. In thinking about it, it starts to get into the discussion of where value is drawn and and how it thrives. So, yeah, yeah, I think a, a full and complete rundown is probably a good idea. Yeah, that that turns into a messy conversation. Um, <laughs> pretty quick, it does. But let's let's just say what a stable coin is designed to do. So, do you trade at all? I traded for like 36 hours and I was like, nope, not for me. <laughs> no, not, not for me. Um, I am an expert hodler. That's what I am. There we go. Hodl plus. That's, I don't know. That's the TBP strategy, hodl plus. So basically, a stable coin is designed to be just that stable. So you peg your value to some sort of fiat currency. Most of them are pegged to fiat currency. And if you have $100,000 worth of crypto value, and you could foresee a little drop in the market, and you want to remain having the purchasing power of $100,000, then you swap into a stable coin really quick. And congratulations, you still have $100,000 worth of purchasing power. And then you could buy at the bottom with those stable coins and ride the top again, right? That's in a perfect world. That's how they're supposed to work. Now, they're backed by a ginormous mountain of fiat money, which we all know can be printed at will. And so... It's backed by the infinity fakeness, I guess you could say. But this is giant pile that supposedly is supposed to keep this stable coin liquid. Right. So and at any time, someone can burn a stable coin and get an actual dollar if it's pegged to the dollar. If it's pegged to the ruble. Same thing. Pegged to the yuan, Same thing. And when I say burn, I mean, they have gotten rid of that token forever. And it doesn't exist anymore. And now they have a dollar. And then they'll regenerate that a different token to replace that token they just lost. So that's how stable coins are supposed to work. Uh, they're highly centralized. supposed to work. I've used them before. They work really well to get in and out of things. Um, if certain exchanges, you know, they don't have the pair that you need, then you could mm-hmm. pair with the stable coin real quick and get the money that you're trying to get after, make the swaps. But they're not really something you want to like hold for a long time. So like any portfolio, you have a cash position and they're supposed to be designed for any cryptocurrency enthusiasts that also is dabbling in trading, right? They can keep a cash position without keeping a quote-unquote super cash position. What I mean by that is like fiat. 
like actual dollars. Instead of dollars, you have this digital dollar. And so that's a stable I mean, coin. That's it. So like, with stable coins, is it the sort of thing that, like, is it the kind of thing that you think will be around for a long time? Or is it sort of like a stopgap measure sort of in the development of crypto where like something like that makes people feel safe that they can still tie it the system that we have now where they know that a dollar is a dollar is a dollar like 20 years from now i think it's both i think right now there needed to be the guise of stability to keep the interest of people the institutional investors that may or may not want to keep becoming involved with the space so I do think it's going to last for a while but it's it's kind of both like it's going to last for a while just enough to get that foundation of volume and liquidity in the entire crypto economy in my opinion um, mm-hmm. and, but I do think more, more well suited cryptocurrency only sta- stability like DAI will be much better so the die uh, made by the maker team um, is, is is stable. Uh, it's just as stable as these other stable coins, and it has nothing to do with fiat. It never touches fiat. It's just uh, yeah. a well-engineered masterpiece that is keeping its stability in this volatility by a series of tubes. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's just there's... um. You know, you almost need a PhD just to look at the white paper for the die. Uh, oh yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> I I remember sitting in the crowd at DevCon listening to their uh, CEO run down just how it's staying stable, and I was like, wait, so it's gonna buy three things when one thing goes down in order to round, and I just couldn't I couldn't keep up. I needed a picture book. I did. Yeah. I I feel like I've um, sort of heard little whisperings about that, and I'm like, Mm-mm, Jessica, not yet. <laughs> you got to level up before you before you dive into that because it's it's like you know theoretically I understand what they're trying to do, but when you start to get into the weeds of how it works, I'm like, Ugh, I don't know. I don't know if that's for me. I'm. I was thinking about this, and I was like, I don't think I'm quite a GPP. I don't know if the level is above GPP, but that's probably where I am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a little bit beyond the general purpose person, but I was like, understanding the the ins and outs of that is for, I don't know, whatever the top thing is. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to get comfortable with, you don't have to know how everything works. Like, I don't need to know what happens behind the scenes of my light switch. I just want it on, and I know my responsibility is I just got to pay the bill. And when I pay that bill, the lights come on, and I'm fine with that. I don't want to know what quadrant of what contact board the signal's coming from in the I don't in the transformer on the power line no I don't care don't want to care <laughs> so I definitely don't care 
as far as stable coins go, there's two versions. There's the totally algorithmic cryptocurrency only version. And then there's the supported by a bunch of fiat and that's just that version. So that's what you missed there. Um, and I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know how the die works. I do hold some because it's, I like I like to keep a cash position. So, th- shout out to the maker team. You make a great, great product. But. So, what else you got? Um, I don't know. I, I have some security questions, too. Because when I mentioned my brief trading stint for 36 hours, um, you know, I, th- I feel like, like looking back on it now, I was like, wow, I was kind of reckless with like my information. I was opening accounts all over the place. And yeah, let me take a picture and here for KYC. And yeah, here's my social security number. Great. And I'm like, I remember listening to a podcast with Laura Shin, uh, where Taylor Monahan was on and she's talking about Quadriga CX. And um, she mentioned something that, again, I don't quite know if I was interpreting this correctly, but it sounded like she's saying that, you know, it was likely or it seemed likely that it was an inside job and that one of the ways they could have moved the money from that exchange was by tapping into the KYC AML database and opening accounts under other people's, you know, under people's names using that information. So again, don't quote me on that. I'm not entirely sure if that's what she was saying. I know Taylor's a friend of the show. I don't want to be out here, you know, Philandering and libeling her, but um, you know. <laughs> but anyway, it got me thinking about uh, security and like, you know, not you know, you you wouldn't leave your money on an exchange, so you also then maybe shouldn't leave your information if you're not using it anymore. And whether it's a good idea to make sure, like, if you've moved money off an exchange, which I have, I have a wallet. And I actually was able to move money onto the wallet. I was very proud of myself because I was afraid it was going to go off into the ether, lost forever. But, um, like, if I, right, there's always that moment where you're like, where is it? And then it shows up and you're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I, I was just thinking, like, if I'm not utilizing those services anymore, but they still have my information, I'm effectively putting myself at risk if I'm allowing that information to just hang out on an exchange. So like, is there a way to make sure that an exchange like removes your information from their database or anything like that? So the bad news is no. Hmm. Um, You can never make sure and you'll never ever find out how they are securing people's information behind the scenes unless you work there. So that's why centralized exchanges are kind of a single point of failure for the entire crypto economy right now because they have a lot of information. They have a lot of wealth flowing through there. They're just a bottleneck of the entire crypto economy, the entire environment. Because, you know, you could delete your account, but what if on the back end they're keeping all your information in plain text? In a folder that's locked with password one two three. <laughs> yeah, they are Facebook with everybody's information right now. It's not great. Yeah. And oh. 
that's kind of why the the more crypto the deeper crypto enthusiasts like our friend Yagi Numa in the Slack, we will use a decentralized exchange uh, because there is no KYC AML. Now, the thing about it is, is that the more it's just this weird situation where, okay, well, if we, a lot of these decentralized exchanges start popping up and more and more people are using exchanges without KYC AML. Uh, but you can't get regulated without KYC AML. So a yeah. nifty thing that started to happen is that these exchanges are faking their volume and nobody's going to come in and regulate them. Right? Because they don't do KYC AML. So you could just be what what it ends up being as a trader is an opportunity cost because you're sitting on an exchange where there's no volume. So you can never mm-hmm. even make any money off any trade that you wanted. So it's just, it's this weird game. And unfortunately, if you are going to use the popular exchanges where the volume is now, you have to do KYC AML. Mm-hmm. And any, in my opinion, any central entity with high enough web traffic is going to get hacked one day. It's going to be internal or they're going to be, it's going to be external, but they're going to get hacked. And that's just the way it is. Coinbase's day is coming around the corner. That's why they have the insurance. That's why they just re-upped on the insurance because I'm pretty sure one of the guys getting paid lots of good money to do actuarial science for him said, hey, we're probably going to be hacked within the next three years. So let's up that insurance and make sure we're ready. Because, I mean, that's just the way the internet is. If you were to talk to Dr. Petty, the internet is built like everybody's business is on Front Street. So it's a cesspool. I mean, it's an absolute cesspool. I feel like we all realize that about the internet. It's like, what were we thinking? <laughs> like, God. Like, I saw somebody in the um, in the Slack was talking about how uh, using like our names for our email address, like one of the single worst things that could have been that could have happened. And I'm like, it really is. Like, it's we just. I mean, we were we were just babies. Like, oh, look at this place where I can post pictures of cats and and find information. Oh yeah, here's my social security number. Knock yourself out. And it's uh-huh. like, in hindsight, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Number and my bank account number. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you my real name and my address. No problem. So. um the security fight is an ongoing one. Um, I would love it for there to be some sort of, I don't want to say privacy coin because that's got the misnomer with being like a Zcash or a Monero, but like an mm-hmm. identity, the identity tokens that we're kind of working is if that can be finalized to where I keep my personal information on a local device and this token is a representation of that to prove I am who I am then I don't have to give you my sensitive information. And by the way, I've run my local information through the database of the KYC AML. So I am somebody that you can do business with. So you as a Mm -hmm. business don't have to worry about that. So this token has the total package that says I can use your exchange and you can trust that I'm using your exchange to not do anything with malintentions. So malicious intentions. So 
maybe that's the answer to my question about what's the next big breakthrough in crypto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> identity token where I control my own identity and these centralized entities like the Facebooks, the Twitters, the 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 hacker hackers' dreams. I mean, they're just like a golden corral for a hacker. I know. Well, I think something too, like an identity token, also gets into um, you know all the data about you. And I I feel like we are shifting towards a point in society where all the data that someone has on me, I will get to control where that goes, how much I get paid for it, what I decide to let somebody use, what I decide to not let someone use. And if you have something like an identity token that effectively also gives your identity value, then you can start to be like, yeah, I'm going to parse out some information about myself to, you know, whatever, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And, you know, I'll give them that. They'll give me health care. You know, like I, I start to sort of think in those terms when you talk about an identity token, because if you are in complete control of that, then you also are complete in control of how it's used and what it's used for and what it's used is tied to. And the most valuable thing about us as individuals is our data right now. So I would love to see something like that. I think that'd be great. To me, it's just phenomenal that, you know, we live in this world currently where data is the new oil and so many people don't know that that's happening but the thing that sucks is that as an individual your data is not really at scale so you can make pennies on the dollar but Mm -hmm. companies are scrub all this together and they get a giant pile of data and now all of a sudden well i guess that's no different than oil right i can't walk into i got a teaspoon of oil make me rich baby Just imagine you shaking like a tiny little vial, like a teaspoon of oil. Who wants it? Come and get it, guys. (laughs) I got a I got a Ziploc container full of oil, and I'm looking to get paid. (laughs) Um, But so when it comes to security, I guess to wrap that, put a pin in that is that there is once your information is there, it's there, and there's no way that you can prove that it's not. Even, I don't even trust them when they say, hey, trust us. We got it under control. That to me says, oh, okay, so you don't have it under control. So at least I can, Basically. Expect, <laughs> at least I can expect to that you're going to get hacked someday. I'll change my passwords and then cross my fingers. So, um, yeah, I mean, considering there's got one of these like data dumps, it seems every week, like they're scheduled. Like every week I get an alert that's like, oh, hey, some your email address has showed up on the dark web. And I'm like, yeah, apparently it lives there now. So I'm like, you know, at this point, I don't really trust that anyone can secure anything but myself. Like, it's sort of like, you know, if you post a picture of, you know, yourself on Facebook and then complain when someone finds it, it's like, well, that's on you. Like, you made the choice to put that out there. Like, that's sort of how I feel about security now. Like, every choice I make, it's because I decided to do it. So if I'm making that choice, the only the only thing that that I, like, can use is just, you know, I have to know that, let me scale this back. I'm sorry, I'm, like, thinking this through in my head. But, um, like, if I have all the information I need, 
to make a decision and then that decision is wrong, it doesn't matter. Like I have all the information. So if I decide to take a risk, like it's only because I've weighed all of the factors. It's not going to be because the exchange I chose was risky or something like that. Like, I don't think we can make the excuse anymore that like, oh, I didn't know. It's like, yeah, you know better now. You, you do. All of us do. Absolutely. And the thing that I just worry about is that as can we build infrastructure that at least doesn't hurt the consumer that much from because there's going to be some pretty powerful central entities here in a second. Kraken, Bitstamp, Bittrex, Coinbase, Circle. These There's a lot of volume flowing through these guys. They're basically the NASDAQ in the next 30 years if crypto keeps going the way it's going. So what that means is more regulations, more consumer protections, and there's no way around that. I know crypto has this vein of like anarchy, but um, I hate to break it to people when I say this. I hate to break it to you crypto heads, but not a lot of people are fans of anarchy. Um, No. They're just not. (laughs) So anyways, we can put a pin in that. I guess lesson learned is once you give your information to an entity, just it's there. So what else? What's next? What are we tackling next? Um, I've always been curious about 51% attacks, <laughs> how they work. And I, I God, what was the show? Silicon Valley. I feel like they had like their version of a 51% attack last season. Sorry if someone hasn't watched it and I like spoiled it. Oh, well, it's been a spoiler alert. <laughs> Too late. Right. I was just saying that beforehand. Well, there's a statute of limitations on spoilers. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, at a certain point, it's like, okay, if you haven't found your way to a certain episode or whatever, oh, well. Like, again, it's on you. Avoid conversations or whatever where you think that might be a thing. Yeah. I watched a show last night, actually, where this guy, like, I guess it's like a modern day chivalry thing, but his wife had got into it with this lady and he was like, I'm going to go over there and do something chivalrous. So he saw this person that she got into it with and she was standing in line for a movie and he ruined the whole movie for her. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, that is a hardcore savage move to do to somebody. Can you imagine if you hate somebody so much and you're like, I'm going to ruin this movie for you. They'd be so angry. God, they'd be so upset. Like, I'm going to have to do that one day. I actually do that to to Corey often, and he doesn't like it. But we've been friends for over a decade now, so he can just keep enjoying that I'm going to ruin movies. He waits like two months to watch movies that are like, like this new Avengers movie is coming out. He's going to wait two months to see it. It's like you deserve to lose. You deserve to have this spoiled. What's wrong with you? But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, but you, guys, you guys have to figure out your statute of limitations so that it's clear. <laughs> if, he, if he knows, like, if I have not seen it by this date, D is going to ruin it for me. Like, if he knows that, yeah, he can. Yeah, he can make the choice then as to whether or not. You know, he can have it ruined or he can see it and not have it. I think that's so, fair. <laughs> so 51% attacks. Um, 
this is primarily for proof of work tokens where somebody's got physical hardware that's mining uh cranking out hashes of an algorithm to try and prove that they've done an amount of work to unlock cryptocurrency um so basically the way it works is that anytime a network is 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 owned or secured by 51 percent one well, sorry one entity has 51 percent then they technically control the network right because miners are deciding which transactions go through miners are deciding how much fees they take for the transactions miners are making those decisions right if somebody had all the decisions they could basically blacklist transactions reverse transactions they could go back and uh, reorganize the chain so that certain things did or didn't happen right because they've they've got say they have 51 percent of the network um now should you worry as a gpp no with certain uh, as a person a step above a gpp as a step above <laughs> that's right a, i want to give myself that designation so if we i've decided so do we take the g away and just make it a purposed person i don't know I don't, how do we get a step above gpp I feel like there's general purpose person, and I feel like I should be a CPP, like a crypto purpose person. Oh. My, yeah, yeah. See what it is there? You need to take that to yeah. the Slack. You need to take that to the Slack vote. Almost ASAP. <laughs> a CPP and a GPP, and we're going to get them officially certified on Udemy. You could take a Udemy class, and you could get your CPP certification. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say this also sounds a little bit like Scientology, you know, where they like level up yeah. with their what is midichlorians or whatever it is. Actually, that's Star Wars. Never mind. Wrong <laughs> fictional alien being. But um, so yeah, you shouldn't worry about a fifty-one percent attack for the larger proof of work tokens: Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin. Um, let's see. Those are the only ones I care about, honestly. But um, other proof of work tokens, I would be very weary of. And then some of these proof of stake tokens, you can be very weary of as well, because proof of stake is like virtual, abstracted mining. It all happens algorithmically. There's no hardware doing it; it's all software. But if somebody has 51% of the stake, well, they are making all the rules. So, so, so when a 51% attack goes down, like what was it recently? Um, is it Ethereum Classic? Uh, had a 51% attack? Um, I can't, I can't remember. Remember. But I do Me know neither. what happened recently. Like whose money are they stealing are they stealing money from an exchange are they well they're not necessarily like, stealing money they're just it, it could be any number of things that they could do they could change um they could change how many get issued and start issuing them all to themselves they can go back and make a transaction that they wanted that say they had a really big transaction that occurred a week ago they want to go back and make it look like it didn't happen and put that money back in their wallet they can do things like that. They could say, hey, those two people that I don't like, I know these are their addresses. 
You want to go ahead and zero them out, right? It's it's they could send money that they they basically have control of the network at that point to make yeah. little changes to to reorganize how transactions come in, and it's it's pretty bad. A fifty one percent attack is bad. The thing that keeps a fifty one percent attack from happening with Bitcoin and Ether is that when you are a miner. You're making money off of the crypto that you're mining. So why in the world would you want to endanger the network by pulling off a 51% attack? You're going to waste more money trying to do that than to just play the game fair. Just be fair greedy, not unfair greedy. <laughs> so right so, now, the cost to do a, the cost to do a 51% attack on the Bitcoin network is in the billions. Because first you need the hardware, then you've got to have enough more. Then you got to have enough hardware to have fifty-one percent of the network. Then you've got to spend a certain amount on energy every ten minutes to seal in the fact that you have fifty-one percent of the network. So it's not enough to get fifty-one percent for like a minute. You got to get fifty-one percent for a long time. Yeah. Right. And then hope that you don't actually make any mistakes. Yep, and hope nobody sees it, right? Because these other yeah. miners are mining too. And if they're looking at the, the blockchain and all of a sudden they're like, hey, why does this one miner keep mining everything? Like every other block is him. And then they'll go back and they'll look in the blockchain and they'll say, oh, wait a second. These transactions were, this these ledgers aren't the same. Oh, wait a second. We've got a 51% attack. So 51% attacks are really tough to pull off because one, you've got to be as sneaky as humanly possible. Two, you've got to be spending inhumane amounts of money every 10 minutes to try and pull it off. So the larger a network is, the longer the blockchain is, the harder a 51% attack is. And it's basically not a, it's a non-issue. So. So that's why people hack exchanges instead. Yep, that's why they hack exchanges <laughs> instead because uh, what's what's his name? Uh, we'll just call him. Uh, let's call him uh, Jesse. Oh, let's just call him Jesse from Jesse the Just the Header Show. Jesse from yeah. uh, encrypt the folder that had everyone's plain text password on it, and boom, right? It's as it's as easy as that, or. You know, one of the employees clicks an email that says they want a free truck, which is actually not a free truck, but they just leaked everyone's private keys on accident. Like that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, if I ever received an email, it was like, hey, you want a free truck? You're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> really? All the way free? Oh, that's a big truck. Too. No. Definitely clicking this virus. So, um, hmm? Heated and heated massage anyways. Uh yeah. I know it's a whole I think that, that was probably that's a totally different conversation. Yeah, that's a conversation, <laughs> different show. But yes, fifty one percent attacks, nothing to worry about. For um, a GPP, um, only if that GPP has like going real hard in the paint for some obscure token that nobody knows, which typically is like a scam. And you know there was there are more than enough mining camps in the states during the 27 boom that have 
basically dropped off the face of the planet because they were spinning up their own tokens and having control of the network and selling it as like this decentralized token during the craze when everyone was buying everything and those mining camps in the states have since shut down uh and i'm pretty sure they're like on a beach somewhere trying not to get caught so um and that's what i would do just go to the beach change your name and don't get caught so um Let's talk to, I see uh, you sent me here, my favorite resources, blogs, medium, podcasts. Um, this, this day and age, I spend so much money trying to make sure that we have this, not money, time, make sure we have this uh, content pipeline for the network that the resources I get from you guys are in the Slack nine times out of ten. You guys will post an interesting article. I'll click that article, generate thoughts and ideas, and that leads me down the path to finding what I need. So I think our Slack is a great resource for people when we're not talking about rant, really random things. I think there was a pretty intense conversation about marriage yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty long. It was like 60, 60 messages deep talking about what people thought marriage was going to be like and what it actually is like. Interesting. Um, but one quick shift to any kind of crypto conversation you usually get somebody who's passionate about that it can give you an article so that's where i get most of my my information from so um like like jt who actually does the week to be in crypto on our blog i mean that's a great resource he does that um i don't use twitter anymore twitter Became kind of a cesspool. So did Reddit. So yeah. I, I try to. I know that in the Slack, there's at least a hundred people a week in there, up and down. Thank you, actually, for finally coming coming out of the coming off the wall as a wallflower and getting into the conversations. Um, but you know, if you mention one thing about crypto, you're gonna get you know three or four people that might be able to give you some good resources so yeah i it's funny i i joined the slack like september 14th 2018 something like that and i was like yes i'm gonna be in the slack Woo-hoo! and then three days later my water broke like a month ahead of schedule oh, wow. and I'm, yeah <laughs> i was like wow okay slack on the <laughs> Wait, is that everyone was talking about like lunar cycles and pregnancy the other day? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. They, I can't remember who it was, but somebody kept basically like like posting, like indicating like this belongs in random. This belongs in random. <laughs> and there's Somebody said something about how we need like a podcast that intersects between cryptocurrency and children, and I su- suggested Crypto Kitties, which I think would actually be pretty great. Like being a parent navigating, you know, cryptocurrency and blockchain with kids, and trying to teach them about this and and navigate that world. I might, yeah, I'll put that on my list of things that I might look into when I actually have time. So you 
want to tackle that, it's almost like you know someone who runs a podcast network, so they could help I you. Know. I know. I um, know. So we we also talked about before the show this this fort, this Ethereum fort, Constantinople. It was a biggie. It happened back in January, uh, around the seven millionth block, seven million eighty thousand somewhere there. Um, and there were five. Ethereum improvement protocols that did some things. So, EIP one forty five introduced bitwise shift shifting instructions, reducing the cost of shifts in smart contracts by ten x. So, as you know, with Ethereum, you've got to pay gas to get your script to run, your contract to run. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes there's not a lot of stuff being done, but a lot of transactions are being done, which insinuate gas costs so what they did they changed the shifting instructions so to reduce those gas costs so when you do something menial in a smart contract you don't have to pay it's you don't have to pay for something really really menial and they kind of reorganized that so that was one thing that happened with eip 1052 smart contracts can verify one another by pooling just the hash of the other smart contract instead of the whole code if you ask me, this is kind of a, akin to SegWit with Bitcoin. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that whole debacle with segregated witness and non-segregated witness. I do. I didn't know that's what it stood for, though. So, essentially, when you segregate the witness, which is basically this piece of code inside of a transaction, that can represent the entire transaction. right? So you can at least prove that that transaction took place. And so if you have a segregated witness, you basically have reorganized how transactions work so that the bulk of the transaction only needs to be checked by a fully verifying node. And then these light clients and SPVs can just check the segregated witness. So then it has the, uh, it basically has the byproduct of increasing a block size because you could fit more transactions in if the transactions only have the witness segregated. Mm-hmm. And that's that. So that kind of similar thing has happened with with Ethereum now with EIP one zero five two. EIP one zero one four enables the more effective execution of state channels, which allows off chain transactions. So state channels and sharding is a big thing. And I noticed you mentioned sharding. Um, all the, so uh, to to scale this thing. I think it's pretty much generally accepted that we can't do it only on the chain because there's just not enough room and it's not fast enough. So the general idea moving forward has been to shard or do off-chain activity and have these states of what happened, right? So if you and I agreed in a contract that we have X amount of money available, we're going to do commerce and as much commerce as we need to do and then we're going to submit states of the commerce to the main chain, right? That makes sense. So, okay, let's let's put real numbers in there. Say I uh me and you have a relationship. I am a manufacturer and you are one of my vendors. Right? Um I give you things, you give me things. It's that kind of a business relationship. Well, <laughs> we know that in a year we're gonna do about x amount of dollars of business with each other because we've been in business with each other for like five years 
right? Unless business is booming, nothing's out of the ordinary, we're going to do X amount. So we open up a channel that's worth X amount. And out throughout the year, we do business like we normally do. I'm sending you widgets, you're sending me parts. I'm sending you parts, you're sending me widgets. Vice versa. Nobody in the world needs to know we did that. We just need to have a place to keep record of it. Right? And so what happens in a shard? It happens off-chain. And we can do that as much as possible. If we do a lot of business together, we can make thousands of transactions a month. You know? Yeah. It's that that All that's happening off-chain. And then at the end of the year... So we close the channel and we say, okay, here's the new state of things. I have, I know this was the, we put this much in there. Uh, Jessica has this much of it and I have that much of it. That's the new state. Boom. Yeah, I feel like, like when I mentioned sort of sharding and I think I mentioned atomic swaps as well. Like when I think about where development is, and what's necessary to push development forward. A lot of, um, with a lot of my curiosity around these things is so that I can properly evaluate um, the claims that people are making about what their technology is capable of. And I, I think about, there's something intellectual property, um, like a phrase that examiners will use often that's called the state of the art. Um, it'll be like, well, based on the state of the art, you know, effectively, you know, where the technology is at the time, this is or is not patentable or possible, whatever. And I, I feel like with crypto, I, I don't feel like I always have a good sense of the state of the art. I guess like, where is sharding in its develop in its development? Where are atomic swaps? Where are all smart contracts? Where what are all these things actually capable of? Because when someone, you know, pushes, you know, an ICO out or whatever and, and you know, a white paper and, you know, I spend a lot of time around white papers. Um, I, you know, as you're reading it, if you don't have a good sense of what sharding is or what, you know, what, um, what sort of gains people have made in that technological area, you really cannot tell whether or not what someone is claiming is actually possible you're absolutely right um and it's really tough with decentralized um communities like with decentralized tech and open source tech development especially like crypto because you've got a lot of teams working on the same thing and they're working on it just slightly different. You don't know which one's better. You don't know which one actually works. Where I would say sharding is, is if we were to go from thought to napkin to actually draft table and then to uh, OEM, I would say it is the draft paper right now. We're on draft paper. There's, I don't think there's a implementation of sharding in the wild yet and i don't think there's a reliable one either is there a lot of collaboration between like you know if you've got group a b and c and they're all working on sharding are they 
open to sort of sharing their knowledge or is it more like I'm going to I'm going to cloister myself over here and work on my stuff and get my stuff out. It was that way in Ethereum, especially. But now I feel that it's going the way of, well, if I have these trade secrets, I'm just going to keep these trade secrets to myself, which is a natural human thing. So I don't know. I think it's cute. And I'm saying cute for a reason because it is cute that the Ethereum camp and that a lot of people in cryptocurrency think that altruism is this thing that just everybody loves and everybody does. Because if that were the case, then a lot of the way the world is wouldn't be the way the world is. And if it's open source technology, I'm leaning towards somebody will take this open source technology, build on it, and then close it up and start profiting from it. Mm-hmm. That That is just how I see the world. I could be evil. <laughs> I could be that guy, but I feel like that has happened so many times in history that it it would make sense to discredit that happening again. Yeah, I mean we we live in too capitalist of a society for someone not to want to do that. That's because that's how we're all wired. Like, oh, I made this. How do I make money? So, you know, that's yeah, it's already happening in the Bitcoin world, which I think is about four years ahead of the Ether camp when it comes to politics and sociological factors. Like, we have Blockstream in the Bitcoin world, which has side chains and has, um, well, really side chains is their big claim to fame, but they're the only ones doing it. So right now they're really the only ones to stand to benefit from a side chain. So yeah. Um, sharding in a nutshell is a bunch of off chain transactions happen in a state for thing. It's, it's important in Ethereum because not all this stuff is financial transactions. If you just mm-hmm. want to run a piece of software, but you don't want to be dependent upon how slow Ether is, then you need all those, that transferring of data, those requests, those all that fancy software uh, lingo, that's got to happen off the chain. Because there's no way the so, chain can handle that. So. Some of this, too, is, is related to transactions that don't necessarily need to go on the chain. Like, I mean, I think a lot of times, like you guys would talk, like, if you just go to Starbucks or something and buy something, like, that doesn't, we don't need, like, an immutable record of that transaction that's really not that important. So, I mean, I I think that obviously there are important transactions that would be in there, but we have to ask ourselves what sort of information actually needs to be preserved on chain and what can exist outside of that preservation. I would take it, I would say, why not have everything on the chain, but can we be smart about it, right? If Starbucks has the same customers day in and day out, which most Starbucks do, I mean, you got people that are traveling through the Starbucks, but like in an in an area, the people that go to Starbucks go to Starbucks all the time. That's just the people that go to Starbucks. Why can't they keep a record of that? Their own ledger that is backed up, with, for lack of a better words to the main chain it's sent to the main the state of their ledger is sent to the main chain but the main chain doesn't have to house all that information it's just like a sub it's like a drop down a subclass if anybody ever needs to go to it well let's go to the main chain and look at the state at that time 
click the button. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess they actually got the caramel macchiato, not the chocolate mocha. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like, but as far as it needing to be on the main chain all the time, no. There just needs to be a way to get to it via the main chain. So, yeah. Um, and then you know, hold up. All my opinions. Anyone listening is getting hot under the collar. If you'd like, you could join the Slack and you can <laughs> talk to me. Um, yeah, I guess take it from a, I mean, someone who was, I guess, lurking. I don't know. It's such a weird word, but like, yes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, I, I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I just was like, I don't care if anyone knows I'm here. I just don't have anything to say, but. Um, I would certainly encourage people to dive right in there. Um, if you're intimidated, don't be. Nobody's going to bite your head off. Um, and I feel like I went from talking about having a baby to lunar cycles to digital literacy to getting the name of your show wrong all in an afternoon. So yeah. <laughs> something for everyone. Um, yeah. So I guess. I hope this was a good, smooth on-ramping. Not one of those nervous on-ramps where you feel like you're going to get run off the road by a truck, but a nice lengthy <laughs> where you can smoothly transition onto the highway. Um, you know, tip, when I first started on-ramping, I was going into like the nitty-gritty of mining and the nitty-gritty of what actual Bitcoin is. And uh, I feel like you were past that point. I feel like you got in yeah. and Bitcoin was a thing. And so... Now, if you ever want to come back and you want to know like how Bitcoin works and what it is and why it has value, I love answering those questions. But for right now, I think it was a good on ramp. Are you caught? Up? Do you feel like you're caught up? I do. I feel like I've got a good sense of things, and you know, I mean, I feel like you know the fact that I was like I have a wallet and I actually was able to successfully use it. Um, I think probably let you know that again. I'm not a GPP. I'm a CPP. <laughs> my, my have to do that. My have to. But um, I'll have a CPP. There's a few things. Uh, more about the Constantinople for Ether, which you should probably know. There's a cost reduction to store things in the SS store operations. So that's what I was talking about. Is the, all these operations and these sub these contracts. Um, they have functions, and each time you use one, you gotta pay gas. Well, now this gas is less expensive to store things. Um, and EIP one two three four adjusts the block reward from three to two, so it takes it down by a third. And uh, what that's supposed to do is increase. Well, what that has the economic effect of, or supposed to, is it should increase the value. Because the supply has now decreased. So demand stays the same. And the introduction of new crypto goes down. Supply goes down. Then the price should go up. So. Um, yeah, Jessica, that's, that's, that's it, though. That's, that's yeah. it. We're on ramping for one day. They can cover some ground if you want to come back. Or you know anyone that wants to come on here? And you feel like you're leaving this conversation just a little bit more up to speed on what's going on. Um, 
then please let everyone know they can be on ramped too. I will definitely. No, I am. I am a TBP evangelist for yeah. sure. Not only evangelize Bitcoin, but I I push a lot of people towards um, on ramping in particular because I, I feel like I'm like. If you're just like, this is way over my head and I have a million questions, I'm like, there's actually a place where someone is answering all those random questions. And when I started to get back into the space, I actually went back through and listened to old on-ramping episodes, um, kind of had to put myself back in like a beginner's mentality. And it was really helpful to go back through and be like, yeah, I remember when I did wonder about that and stuff. So, yeah, this has been great. I'm glad we were able to do it. Glad I can. I didn't bail. I didn't bail like soccer mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, and soccer dads, soccer moms, and soccer okay. dads. It's both. Uh, Equal opportunity bailing. Yeah. If you could do me a favor, can you say play the outro? Play the outro. Thank you.